All right, what is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another day of Saber Sims DFS Office Hours. It is Friday, February 2nd of 2024 here. Looking ahead, we have a nine-game NBA main slate tonight. We have a two-game NHL slate, and it is Friday, so this is our last show of the week. We do this show Monday through Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern, so we got to look into the weekend here. We have a 13-fight MMA card, and then uh, very happy to announce that earlier today, uh, if you guys missed it or didn't see it yet, we now support Live Golf. So if you come into golf and you come into Live Tour, this is going to be available for you. So if you want to mess around with some Live Showdowns, uh, they are now up in the app to go along with your regular PGA Showdowns as well. So check out the Live projections and let us know what you guys think. But for those of you who are new here, Welcome. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the coaches over here at SaberSim. This is a show where we go over how to use the SaberSim app, answer any and all DFS-related questions. You get your questions in one of three ways here. First off, send us an email, support at sabersim.com. Second, post it live in the YouTube chat. Third way, post it in the Office Hours channel in our Discord server. If you're not in our Discord and want to get access to that channel, there is a link in the description of this video. You get access to our similar channels individual sport channels, and you get access to the rest of the SaberSim team here. So can't say enough good things about the Discord. But with that said, we're going to get the app pulled up here, and we are going to jump right in. So first question, looks like it came in yesterday uh, from Unreal. So let's drop this in here. And then if you guys have questions ahead of the weekend, today is the day to get those in. So drop those in the chat. We'll get to all the questions before the end of the show. So First question, do you find it beneficial to create a separate build for MME, 20 max, 3 max, single entry, or am I just building once for all my contests and letting the contest sims sort them out? Okay, really good question to get us started. So uh, we we have a really interesting video. I know we're, we're getting new people uh, checking out the tool each and every day, so I like to bring this one up every once in a while. We have this really good video, uh, starting start winning more with our DFS profit plan. This is a contest selection framework that we created through lots of contest backtesting, looking at different types of portfolios and how to break down your builds and how to build your lineups. And, and what we came up with is that uh, you should play about 2.5 to 5% of your bankroll on a nightly basis and split that 2.5 to 5% up into 25 to 50% of that should go into single entries and three maxes, and then 50 to 75% should go into 20 max and 150 maxes. So giving you a little bit of wiggle room there to figure out, you know, how to divvy that up and how to, how to uh, mix that around. But from there, you know, if you're splitting it into these two buckets, these single entries and three max or 20 max and 150 max, you should be doing two builds, one for each group. So ideally what you do here is you do a one build where it's your single entry and three max, you fill all those, and then you do a second build. And then those are the lineups for your 20 max and 150 max contest, you know, still building a unique lineup for every entry that you have. And then filling those lineups into your contest accordingly. So that's like ideal world here. Uh, sometimes, you know, news breaks super late in NBA. Um, so, you know, sometimes you might be in like a time crunch. In that case, I think it's okay to just build them all together because the worst thing that you can do is not get your lineups in. And then the worst thing that second worst thing you can do is not react to news trying to be more specific, right? So like just, just react to the news as fast as possible. Just get the lineups in. And if you have more time, break them into two. You know, if you're building golf, if you're building um, NFL, like for the Super Bowl, if you're building hockey, usually you have plenty of time, right? So if you're doing MMA, so some of these other contests are going to have a little bit more time to do those things. So take advantage of that time when you can get it. 
But worst case scenario, just build it all together and you'll be all set. All right. Question here from Trav. Trav said, if I play five to 10 lineups a night, should I still run 5,000 lineups and then sim and pick the best out of the 5,000 by risk-adjusted ROI? Or is that too many? Also, after late swap, if I run sim, should I still use risk-adjusted ROI, uh, that sim result to make my late swap? Okay, good question. So um, really quickly here, I see Wolfpack jumped in. Thank you for that. I'll, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute here. But really, at the end of the day, you should always build the maximum number of lineups you can because you never lose anything by doing that, right? Uh, what do you gain by by dropping this number down to 2,500 aside from time, right? So like if you're in a time crunch going back to our last question, then yeah, you know, you could drop your pool size down to get that to finish faster. But if that is not the case, then it doesn't really matter if you're playing one lineup or 100, you should just build the max number of lineups because you're just going to have more lineups at your disposal. And then remember when you're building with SIM mode on, what we do is we randomly sample the builder, uh, the SIM database, we build each lineup individually. Then after the fact, the lineups get graded, right? Whether that be by Sabre score, whether that be by contest sim, you know, we're not building like your, your best lineup and then your second best lineup and then your third best lineup because we don't know what the grades of the lineup are going to be until after the lineups are put into the pool and then we go back in and grade them, right? So when you're on sim mode, it's not a traditional optimizer solving a knapsack problem, trying to put as many projected points into your lineup as possible where we are building the lineups and then grading them after the fact. So always build the max number of lineups, in my opinion, unless you are crunched for time, but good question. And then the second part was after late swap, you know, should I still use risk adjusted ROI? And then I Wolfpack jumped in here. He said, after you started doing late swap, you'd want to switch to ROI since you should know more about the field than with the live SIM info. So this is a, this is an interesting topic here. Um, I, I have talked with Matt about this internally, and then he has told me that, you know, ROI is probably the better metric to use in late swap because you are, if, if you're on the ultimate plan, you're running the live sims, you are taking advantage of the actual lineups in the contest and all those things. So I think it's totally fine to use ROI in late swap. That being said, risk adjusted ROI, you know, is still like, uh, a metric that is adjacent to ROI. So if you're if you're using risk adjusted ROI, that's totally fine. It's okay. Really in late swap, you know, what you're trying to do is you're trying to take advantage of inefficiencies. You know, if if so and so was ruled out prior to prior before the slate started, you know, their ownership might have been, you know, this much, uh, you know, 50%, but because they were ruled out late, now the player who takes their spot is only owned at 25%. And then that's like an inefficiency. So when you're using risk adjusted ROI, it's it's spreading out some of the risk, right? But in some cases, you want to actually get to a lot of a player because they are being inefficiently owned. So like ROI allows you to do that better than risk adjusted ROI and and is a little more um, you know, ROI comes directly from the contest sim while risk adjusted ROI looks at all of the contest sim metrics and then provides a score. So R there's definitely a case to be said here from everything I've heard that. You know, ROI is the better late swap sorting metric. So, so feel free to use that. I think it's totally fine. Uh, truth be told, the way that I do this personally is say, you know, slate locks at four here. You know, I might use risk adjusted ROI at 430. I might use risk adjusted ROI at five o'clock. 
because not that much has actually happened. You know, we're only like an hour into the slate. These games start like 10 minutes after walk. So like how far into the game are we really? And then I, I, I would use, you know, ROI late in the night. So, you know, this main slate, all the games in by five, like for my late swaps, I would probably just use risk adjusted ROI, but say there was an Island game at night, you know, two, seven o'clock games or something like that. For those swaps, you know, we're pretty late in the slate. At that point, I'm just trying to get as much uh, value out of the tool as possible, out of late swaps. So at that point, I would use ROI. So personally, I go a little bit back and forth here, depending on how much of the slate we know has happened, but uh, it's totally okay to use either, in my opinion. All right. Question from Henry. Henry said, is there a way to see what my ROI would have been on a past slate if I ran a new build or changed my min uniques? Uh, good question. So, so no. So there's like not a way to say like, hey, if I go back to, to yesterday, you know, and I go into contest flashback and look at the ROIs, you know, can I build new lineups, insert them into the post contest sim and then run them over and over. I think that's like a pretty cool idea here. So I'm happy to take it back to the team as a feature request. But what we're doing right now is we're pulling in the contest data and then we're using the lineups from the contest data in the post contest sim. So like uh, because those lineups are like static, you can't like take other lineups and like insert them and then take other lineups out. That's like a probably like a technical thing that, that we just haven't built out yet, but it sounds like a super cool idea. All right, next question here. As a standard sub, does a higher Sabre score generally indicate a higher risk-adjusted ROI? Good question. So uh, like, I, like I, I I like to say this, you know, I was actually talking about this a little bit earlier, uh, I believe in the Discord here. And when we created Sabre score, you know, we were using contest sims, you know, years ago when we created that. So Sabre score was built on top of contest sims. The biggest difference really is that with Sabre score, we make a lot more generalizations capturing a lot of different contests under a single umbrella. So it's not as specific as contest sims where it's a contest by contest basis, accounting for the payout structure, accounting for the number of lineups in the contest. But Sabre score is still doing that just on a little bit of a wider scale. So I like to say Sabre score is like the 80-20 of contest sims. And if a, you know, standard or pro subscription works better with your bankroll, then I think that's totally fine to do here. Ultimately, I would say Sabre score really is indicative of, you know, when we run the contest sims, we're like, okay, you know, these variables at these different uh, settings here led to higher ROIs in the contest sim. And then, and then we do it from there. So I would say it's just generally indicative of, of higher ROI as opposed to risk adjusted ROI. Uh, so, so that's what I would, that's what I'm comfortable uh, saying on, on the topic. All right. Quick one here from hammer said any, any plans or I'll just post it real quick. He said, any plans on putting out a NASCAR strategy video season starts on Sunday, I believe. Uh, so we we don't support the Clash, but we do support Daytona. So uh, we will be ready for Daytona. We will have content out for Daytona. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, the Clash should be pretty interesting. Uh, I, I live out here in, in Southern California, and uh, it is there is rain on the forecast uh, all weekend into next week. So I would be pretty surprised like if it didn't get rained out. Uh, so So we'll see what happens there. 
Okay, uh, I'm just going to read this one out loud. Or actually, no, there was kind of a bit of a back and forth here. Um, I'm just going to read like the first two parts of this because my man Will jumped in here. And I'm, I'm sure there are people who are interested in this conversation. If you guys want to catch up with the rest of the conversation, there is more to it in the Discord in the Office Hours channel. But we had a question from I Like Toen said, could you provide a bit more detail on how MMA projections are created? As far as I understand, they're constructed using data on strikes, takedowns, quick win percentage, and the like. However, where do these figures come from and how often are these numbers updated before the slate starts? I've noticed that the significant strikes numbers often differ from the numbers set by prize picks, for example. And Will, our data scientist who is directly um, responsible for the creation and maintenance of our MMA model, jumped in here. Thank you, Will. And he said, all finishing stats, uh, quick win, round one, round two, round three, et cetera, are direct from Vegas props. Then we're simulating each round based on each fighter's historical stats and other factors of the fight to generate the point slash stats in each sim. Uh, there's very low sample sizes for MMA. This makes it very hard for anyone to get lines correct. I wouldn't default to prize picks or underdog having correct lines for MMA stats. Uh, they can be very soft. So uh, a little bit of a discussion here going on around MMA. There's a couple follow-ups here, which I'm not going to read them all, but I did just want to give that overview of the MMA model in case anybody was interested in that. And if you want to see more details and even chime in on the conversation, you know, feel free to go into the Office Hours channel in Discord and do that. Even if you're not in our Discord and want to get signed up, there is a link in the description of this video. Okay, jumping over to the YouTube chat. Patrick said, when will we get 10K player pools? So great question. So right now, you know, the max number of lineups you can build is 5,000. Uh, what I will tell you guys is that, you know, if you go over to our field lineups and you look at our uh, field lineups, you pull up any one of these buckets here, the field lineups have 10,000 lineups in them for classic slates. And then for uh, NFL showdown, we have 20,000 field lineups. So the Excuse me. So these numbers are getting bigger and bigger, guys. You know, the con the field lineups used to be 5,000. Now they're 10,000. You know, for some sports, they're 20,000. Uh, we are slowly, you know, and, and surely here trying to increase everything across the board. We're constantly innovating. We're constantly, you know, pushing limits and trying to figure out how to get more lineups, how to do all these different things. So uh, I would not be surprised to see that in the future here, but I do not have a timeline on when you're going to be able to build 10,000 lineups. All right, Brian said, with the contest sims, what's the best method to sort by and why? Good question. So the sorting metric that we recommend is risk-adjusted ROI. And if I go uh, just create a contest sim real quick, go to these lineups that I ran earlier, and I'm just going to kick this off. So let me kick off this contest sim. And then while this contest sim goes, want to call out one video here. So if you go to the top right corner, you go to help. This will open up our support library. And then in our support library under frequently asked questions, if you click view more, it's going to take you to all of our support articles. We do have a video on risk adjusted ROI. Uh, what it's a, it's called what do risk adjust what what do ROI and RAROI mean here? So I'm going to drop this in the chat in case anybody is interested. In checking out this video, it's a brief overview here, gives you some ideas uh, between the two. And then now that this contest sim is finished, so when we when we released contest sims, 
you know, we didn't have R-A-R-O-Y. It was just ROI, win rate, cash rate, ROI, standard deviation. We didn't have dupes either. So when we created this, you know, we got some feedback that these lineups were highly leveraged. And the reason for that is because when you run 100,000 sims of a contest, you know, sometimes these lineups that are very contrarian, when they do well, they have a very clear and easy path to first place. But at the end of the day, the lineups, the, the games are only getting played one time, right? So it can be highly variant how these play out. So what we wanted to do was we wanted to create something to help our users get to a set of lineups that were not as incredibly leveraged. And that is when we went back and created risk-adjusted ROI. So the risk-adjusted part is the important part. And uh, this is ultimately the omega ratio of the lineup, which looks at how often the lineup wins and how much it wins when it wins versus how often the lineup loses and how much it loses when it loses. So uh, we are weighing those things and then we are providing a score. Don't confuse the risk-adjusted ROI percentage with SIM ROI because that, that is not what it is. This is like kind of its own number in and of itself that we had to create to give it a score here. But we, we prefer risk-adjusted ROI because it is looking at all of the other metrics that were created directly from the contest sim and then providing a new metric uh, that takes all of those things into account. So that is why we recommend risk-adjusted ROI. Okay, Brian said, what is the best slider to use for single-entry tournaments? Uh, I would say the default, right? So if you come in here and go to your build settings, you know, you set your style to GPP. Uh, you know, I'm looking at, say I go look at 150 max, uh, you know, 50K plus. You're going to see the sliders move on their own, right? Correlation 2, Sim Diversity 9. Well, when I go down to single-entry, you know, less than 1,000 sliders go down to 0.5. They're moving based on our back testing. So we run those contest simulations that I was mentioning earlier, and then we see what slider settings work best in terms of ROI in these contests and back tests that we do. And then we set the sliders appropriately. So these are set to back tested limits. I don't think you can add a ton of value by adjusting these. Uh, but if you were to ever do anything, I would say, you know, it's okay to up sim diversity if you want to build higher upside lineups, but it's not something that I would recommend doing regularly or, or very often. All right. Question from Ryan. Playing MMA on FanDuel this weekend. What are the differences between DK? Um, so interesting question. You know, I I don't think there's like a lot of big differences here in general. Um, you know, this comes in like kind of across the board. So like the biggest differences are typically like the scoring and the point format. But remember that, you know, those things get taken into account in the projections, right? So like we only have one MMA model and all of the data, all of the fight sims are the same for, for all the sites that, that support, you know, whatever sport we're talking about. And then we just adapt the, the uh, fantasy point projections to the scoring format. So like an, a good in example is like on FanDuel for NBA, uh, they weight, you know, steals and blocks higher than DraftKings does. Like they award more points for steals and blocks so players like Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, typically will have like a higher fantasy point projection on, on FanDuel than DraftKings, and then you might end up with more of that player on that site, right? But here, I mean, there's still, you know, six fighters in a lineup on both sides, so it really comes down to the scoring format. But SaberSim is going to take advantage of that uh, advantage. You know, it's going to do that for you. It's going to understand what the projection differences are. It's going to understand what the salary differences are. But as far as like your strategy and what you do, 
you know, I would come up with a process that is effectively like site agnostic and you use it across the board. And if you get differences in exposure, be okay with those. Like, Hey, you know, maybe on FanDuel, I'm getting a ton of Randy Brown, but on DraftKings, I'm not. Well, Hey, maybe that has more to do with the salary with, you know, the way the fighters fit together with the projection, then it has to do with any other thing. Right. So I wouldn't like make those cross site comparisons uh, significantly here or like worry about them too much, but just figure out a process that works across the board and then let, let us handle like the salary point projection differences and then fitting those things into your lineup. But aside from that, I don't think you need to do too much. But all right, we are all caught up with questions in both the Office Hours channel and the YouTube chat. Appreciate you guys tuning in as always. And we will be right back here Monday, uh, 2 p.m. Eastern for our next show. So until then, everybody take care. Good luck. I'll see you all. Thanks. Bye.